0: Welcome to Essential Coaching Conversations with Kyle and Asim. The real, relevant,
1: necessary conversations to help you navigate coaching, teaching, learning, and life.
0: coaches welcome in yes essential coaching conversation still exists we are back season two episode 16 kyle let's jump right into it would you want to start with the would you rather or the athlete shout outs first let's go would you rather let's go um, would you rather I, you got i it. think
1: it's kind of timely um all corners of the country iced in, like us even in down here in louisiana like i was telling you beforehand i'm terrified to even back my car out of my driveway i'm like one inch of ice um we're just not built for it we're not equipped for it we don't understand it we don't know it um ice isn't something that's
0: supposed to be on your roads it's supposed to be in your drink right that's in how my drizzles, drink yeah. You know? yeah
1: we've been shut down for like three days down here we shut down days ago in preparation for this which just it's not something we're built for you know we've all got gators in our backyards and Um, you know, that's just how we do things down here. Ice is not something that we are, um, that we're really equipped to handle. We're we're pretty terrified of it. So would you rather, and I've probably already tipped my hand on this one, but would you rather play in like a hundred plus degrees? So like, you know, Texas Rangers in August type weather, or would you rather play in like sub temperatures? Like we've been seeing in these NFL playoff games in ice and snow.
0: There is nothing. I said this right before we hit record. I don't care about any team enough to do what they did in Buffalo the other day. Could not care less. Would stay home, fireplace is on, give me a hot cup of coffee, and I'm watching the game on TV because that's not my thing. Now, me being a bigger guy, I don't enjoy 100-plus degree weather either. But I'd rather do that because at least I can like jump into a pool afterwards or something like that and just you know cool off. Um, generally, though, I I would rather be cold than hot because you can always put more layers on. But in the context of this question, zero interest in being outside to do any sort of activity in that type of weather.
1: Yeah, I've got you've got no disagreements for me. I would rather play in a hundred plus. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just it's just what I'm used to down here you know being an athlete in high school and growing up you know summer conditioning being in the band having to carry a drum on asphalt in 120 degree Mm -hmm. weather like give me that it it sucks they're both terrible don't get me wrong i don't want to do either one of them um but i can survive the heat so much more easily than i can the cold anything below like 50 degrees and my hands don't work (laughs) i can't write i can't type i don't want to move i'm I'll be the guy in the old folk home in July with like nine blankets on me. You know, I just I can't ever be warm enough. So
0: that's Kyle, a pretty will, easy one for me. You you belong down there in the south because if you were to come up here to the northeast, you you wouldn't last very long. I wouldn't
1: make it. You wouldn't make nope. it. I I'm not tough it. enough. I'm nope. telling you
0: right now. I got no I know who I am
1: and I know who I'm not.
0: <laughs> know thyself, <laughs> not, right? Know thyself. I'm not.
1: Know thyself. I know, I know exactly, self. I know exactly where I'm supposed to be for yeah, sure. You
0: you wouldn't have made it today. I mean, it started snowing. I let the dog out at three 30 in the morning today and she was in about an inch and a, about an inch of snow. I went back to sleep and got up around six 15 and there was already two or three inches of snow on the ground. Um, yeah, we just brush the cars off, go to work. Just and what it, it is it for me, it's
1: through. not even like it's, I think it's like twenty-two degrees here right now. The low is like twelve today. It's not even so much the number; it's the wind. Yeah, yeah. It not, and it's so humid down here that you can put eight jackets on, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna seep through everything. And then the wind just it literally cuts you in half. Yep. Um. And so that that's where I kind of draw the line. So yeah, give me the give me the heat any day of the week.
0: Yeah. No no disagreements here um let's go to our athlete shout outs quickly I'll I'll throw it to you um because I want to see if we have the same one. I doubt that we do, but there is an off chance because of our our shared affinity for 90s and early 2000s, just kind of the era we grew up in there may be a chance that we have the same one
1: so I don't I don't think we do because I'm not
0: going back that far. okay
1: I'm going with Haja. Stoyakovich. Okay. Because he had a cup of coffee with the Mavs in 2011 when they won the NBA finals. And he had two games of 20 plus points during that playoff run. So he was a part of, he was there for just one year and then he retired right after that. But in my opinion, it forever enshrines him in Mavdom uh, because he helped bring the, the lone single and, and only title. Um, alongside Dirk. So, Page Stojakovic was an easy one for me. And then I just remember back playing, you know, NBA live, whatever, back in the day, and always playing with the Kings mm-hmm. uh, when he was on there and like just how freaking legit he was. Um, but because he helped bring a title to the Mavs, a salute to Page.
0: Could you imagine Page Stojakovic now?
1: Now, like oh. playing
0: in today's NBA.
1: Man. Oh my God. 6'10", <laughs> basically a three. <laughs> just stroking it. Oh, man. Because yep. you, if you
0: remember, like, the Kings back in the day, they ran that, like, double high post offense, too. It wasn't like they were spacing the floor and, like, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Back when, like, Mike Bibby was their point guard, they had Chris Webber, Vlade Divac. Like, they ran exactly. everything through their big guys, but pages still went off. Um, and I can just imagine, like, in today's spread pick and roll and just – kind of the spread game as a whole. Like, God, how do you guard that guy? Yeah, he he
1: averaged 17 a game for his career for nearly 20 years' worth of a playing career. Now, some of that was overseas. I think he Mm -hmm. got here. He got to the the Kings, like, late 90s. Yeah. You know, 98, 99 maybe. um, And obviously spent really good time with them and then bounced around a little bit. Came down to New Orleans with the Hornets for Mm – uh, a few years, and then bounced around, and then finally landed with the Mavs, and got his got his championship, and rode off into the sunset. But, I mean, he, you know, when you think about going back to like all this European influence now, like he sort of probably started breaking some of that mold. You know, Euro mm-hmm. guys were always really soft, and you know, couldn't cut it over here in the NBA and all that kind of stuff. And guys survived for years over here just doing his thing. He would he would absolutely wreck in twenty twenty
0: four. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, okay, I'm glad we don't have the same number 16 then. Um, Paige actually did not even cross my mind when I was thinking about this because the the number 16 that comes to mind for me, and this is for whatever reason, probably from playing Madden growing up and just, you know, the old NFC East when the Cardinals used to be in the NFC East, so you got to watch them twice a year. Um, Jake the Snake Plumber. Number sixteen, he's like, w- played for the Broncos for a little while, just like kind of the the maverick of the NFL. um, and I always just like I liked his game, right? He was scrappy. He's just like found a way to win. um, yeah, just I, I really enjoyed watching Jake the Snake plumber play. and like he was tough and he was never out of it. like even though the Cardinals were terrible when he was on the when he was on the team and the Broncos were terrible, too, like, You always felt some sense of calm if you were a fan of those teams because you're like, oh no, we got Jake the Snake, we're all right. Um, And he was fun to play within Madden. Like I remember trading for him to be the quarterback because he was like, he didn't get paid as much as some of the better quarterbacks in the game, but he had better like, like ratings, right? So like his throw power was always really high, and like, you know, you just bomb it down there, and somebody's down there will catch it. So, yeah, I just Jake the Snake Plumber coming to mind as number 16 kind of just popped into my head when we said it was episode 16. And I was unable to think of anybody else because he is, to me, the number 16 of my childhood. Um, I would
1: bet a lot of people were thinking you were going to go when you started talking, you know, early childhood football was Joe Montana. See, I so never was, got
0: into the Joe Montana thing.
1: I was thinking Joe Montana there. Um, of course, 49ers Cowboys back in the day like, have some right. rough history memories there. But fun fact about Jake Plummer, Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year. Was he? So most everybody is familiar, obviously, with the Pac-12 now, right? Mm-hmm. Which is now the Pac-2. But back in the <laughs> mid-90s... It
0: is the Pac-2 now, yeah.
1: Back in the mid-90s, they were the Pac-10 before they mm-hmm. expanded. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's 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 hilarious that over the last 25 years that the conference of champions has basically gone from 10 to 12 to two teams and Lord knows where they're going to go after this since not just players are in the transfer portal, but entire conferences are in the transfer portal.
0: You know what, maybe we should just have that be the uh, the the subject of today's pod like we can just call an audible and talk about conference realignment because holy cannoli. I mean, at what point does that just stop? I can't um, keep up with it. I mean, it's not even can't worth keep keeping up with it. with it. It doesn't even matter anymore. Right? Like, it used to be a recruiting thing where it'd be like, yeah, we play in the ACC or we play in the Pac-12 or we play in the Pac-10 or even the Big Ten used to be somewhat regional. You know? And, like, there was a brand associated with, and we sound like two old guys rocking on the porch right now, sipping some sweet tea in that 100-degree heat, but, like, there, it used to mean something when you went to go play a Big Ten team. You knew you were going to get the crap beaten out of you because they just had big, like, you mm-hmm. know, Midwestern kids who were just going to, like, massive, right? And, like, Big Ten football was was it. And then it was, like, three yards in a cloud of dust. And then there was some innovation that came out of, you know, the ACC and things like that. And, and, and like, the old Big East, right? And, like, again, we we may be dating ourselves a little bit. But do you big remember that Tournament, six – the six overtime game between yes. Syracuse, who was it? Syracuse and Georgetown, right? I think so. Yeah. I, and Biggest Jerry McNamara and and like Eric Dievendorf and all those guys, like that'll never happen
1: again. No, you know, branding wise, I think conference. I always think like Big Twelve basketballs had it going on recently. Yeah. Um, ACC basketball because it makes you think Duke, Carolina, Maryland, mm. Syracuse. Um, Big East basketball for sure, like turning time would roll around. That was one of my. That's been one of my favorite conference tournaments to watch mm-hmm. um, growing up. And then obviously, like SCC football has been king for you know a few, a couple of decades. And finally, almost had a, almost had another, you know, Bama, Texas, somebody, you know, championship was going to stay in the South. And then Michigan and Washington finally broke the mold here, mm-hmm. um, which. Is kind of interesting that that's happening like right now, especially with everybody moving conferences. Right, right, right. Obviously, Bama's in the SEC, but Texas is moving to the SEC. Um, and uh, so I always think brand-wise, like, yeah, SEC football, ACC Big 12 basketball, Big 10 football, but it's it's all just one big jumbled, jumbled mess now. Um, and it's, it's becoming harder and harder to keep up with, I think, especially if you're just kind of a casual sports fan or – you know, you always hear a lot of times a lot of people enjoy college sports, you know, more than pro because it's amateurism and it's just they're playing for their name on the front of the jersey instead of the name on the back of the jersey. And that's just obviously a different world now. Like there's there's a a, a blurred line between pro, semi pro and amateur sports and perhaps not a soapbox for today, but even all the way down into high school and youth and everything like it's becoming more and more commercial commercialized and money-driven and trophy-driven and all that. So, like, what is really amateur sports in 2024? Um, maybe that's something we should <laughs> we should put a pin in and come back to, but um, I'll start getting way, way off topic going I, down
0: that road. I have no problem doing that because that, that is the age – that is the question of the year. What is amateur? What is – youth sport anymore right not to i mean going all the way down to to second graders playing in national championships i mean i know we've talked about this before but yeah i think it's all it all trickles down right so when it's conferences going after bigger tv deals or it's schools or transfer portal or whatever like it all trickles down because everything is modeled after the quote top levels um not to say that any of these things are inherently bad per se but they're certainly not good if they're mismanaged um but yeah i mean i i don't know what's going to become of of any of these college conferences and you know it it is it's odd though right to think about like teams that were in one conference for so long and now it's like stanford's in the acc right so does the acc need to change their name from the atlantic exactly. coast conference to like both coasts
1: well it's like q you know CUSA and the american like really the ones that have named it accurately because you've had schools from literally right across the usa or right. american um so the atlantic coast conference with the pacific coast teams and um things like that and like i said i don't know if a lot of it is inherently bad or evil but is it all inherently good Um, or pure and i definitely don't think that's the case and the one thing that i think everybody could agree on is that it is different and it's taking a lot of navigation you know in a it's almost kind of like this new skill set we're being thrust upon everybody this and the evolution and the adaptability of just society like having to figure things out at a much more rapid pace Mm -hmm. and i and i even go back into like covid and that that sort of speeding up decision-making processes on unknown things and ages of misinformation. And you're just kind of having to guess blindly in the dark. And there's no really, there's no good way of knowing like if you're quote unquote right or not. Mm -hmm. And it might be a year or two or three before, you know what the after effects and the consequences of your decisions are. And I don't think that's any different than what's going on in sport right now. And I think like at least within the last five to 10 years in youth sports, since we've seen a boom in AAU and like I've often said that Louisiana has been a massively under-recruited state in basketball. It's always been great for football. It's always been really a great softball and a baseball state, but basketball wise, it was always very under-recruited when I was growing up. And a lot of it was because, you know, a lot of schools down here are very small. A lot of schools are very rural. A lot of our kids weren't qualifying. And there just wasn't a massive AAU scene. And I do think that there has been a a massive boom in travel teams and AAU and coaches that have gotten a lot of kids more exposure in these events. And I think all of that stuff is really great because I've said on here time and time again, like I got to coach a number of kids that should have played college ball and had Mm -hmm. their school paid for, but they didn't because nobody knew about them. And I do think the emphasis on, Understanding the recruiting process, understanding what it means to get through the clearinghouse, understand the importance of, a, of an ACT score, you know, the last 10 years, mm-hmm. being able to just qualify and get into school. That all has been great, and it's affording people so much more opportunity. But again, with that are going to come these unintended consequences of the AAU team that used to exist in like Bozier. Now there's 40 AAU teams. When Kyle at 16 years old didn't make the AAU team, he didn't play AAU.
0: Right, because it was oh, right. one
1: team, and that was it, and we moved on to something else, like go be a better drummer, you know, like had to or go learn how to shoot better, you know, but I didn't play AAU because that was the one opportunity to do that and so in in terms of opportunity and the chance to do things, I think all of that is definitely good, and I think that's what we stake our name on when it comes to playmakers like we are trying to afford more opportunity for mm-hmm. kids to play the game they love and develop, but there is obviously going to be this dark side to all of that where now you're trickling down to these teams that are hooked up with shoe deals or you're you're selling your soul to the devil to get a shoe deal you're selling your soul to get into these certain tournaments or get on this circuit or travel around the country and all of the stuff all of a sudden that trickles down not just to 16 17 18 year olds who are trying to get college scholarships but now down to 12 11 10 all the way down to seven and eight which ends up creating, you know, this, this big push for specialization in sport. Kids start specializing in sport at earlier and earlier ages. It, that means that they aren't going to try new things or focus on other things or just enjoy it. We've seen an uptick in injuries. We've talked about that Dr. James Andrews uh, article about like why his career shouldn't be, shouldn't even exist operating on, you know, 10, 11, 12, 15 year olds. Um, and so, yeah, there's just, there's a lot that, that obviously comes with it. And I do think maybe 10 15 20 25 years ago it was all done in in honest like in you know and wanting to do something for a bunch of good kids but eventually like that entropy can't be put back in the box like it's Mm. it's going to continue to evolve and become an issue and um i definitely think that's where we are right now where everything is just moving faster than we can keep up with like you can write new legislation and new laws and this and that. And we just saw Florida state got slapped with some NIL, um, sanctions that's coming down. And there's a lot of schools that are jumping into the NIL world, which is obviously kind of where everything is NIL quote unquote, is not supposed to be used to recruit. it's supposed to just give athletes, you know, an opportunity to make some money off their name and likeness. And I think a lot of people in 2024 would agree that that's a good thing, Mm -hmm. but it's going to create issues. You got schools creating collectives and schools that, are afraid to create collectives because they don't know what the, the consequences of those are going to be from a, a, you know, a money and a tax standpoint. And so it's just the, 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 the rules can't keep up with the times and how fast things are going. And I do feel like it's just, everybody's kind of wandering through the dark guessing. Um, And some people are going to guess correctly and it's going to work out for them in the immediate. Some people are going to guess incorrectly and it's going to be terrible for them in the immediate, but I don't think we're going to really understand what the consequences of this stuff is until we get into 2030. Um, and we really, but by then we'll be on to something else. <laughs> and the Pack two might be the PAC 30.
0: Might be, it might be just one giant super conference. Right. And they mm-hmm. just call it the the Pack USA.
1: And that's probably where we're headed.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, no, I, I think everything you said is spot on. Right. It's like, I, I think the other side of this, And, you know, this wasn't the original intent of the episode, but ultimately this is actually really important for us to talk about. So I think the other thing that goes along with that, that has seen a major uptick in attention and and kind of where the focus is being placed is like, all of a sudden, everything's about athlete mental health. Mm -hmm. Take care of the mental health, take care of the mental health. Meanwhile, we're trying to negotiate an NIL deal. I'm trying to transfer to get a better look at this social media you know now I can make money off my TikTok so I'm on display all the time but yeah sure like take care of my mental health too you know and I just it's fascinating that we're trying to have all of our cake and eat it too Um, even though like sport does not allow for that And so what I see this is, is like this, this sort of dichotomy between what sport does and how sport operates. And, you know, I was talking to our buddy Kip Ione earlier, and he he said this, and I think we've said it before too, but like the sport itself is neutral. It doesn't care whether you win or lose. It doesn't care whether you play or not, right? The sport just exists. And I think that neutrality is damaging to a lot of kids in particular, but certainly to, to people who are invested in those kids, right? Like we need them to play and do well so that we can do well. We are going to sign a brand agreement with this player, but if they don't play, then there's not going to be enough eyes and therefore they're not going to make their money. Well, that's fairly damaging to the mental health of a 17 to to 22 year old right in the nil space and then all of a sudden i'm going to this school and you know i felt like it was a great balance of academics and athletics and whatever reason i chose the school and and a year later we're realignment realigning into a worse conference or into a better conference and all of a sudden my spot is in jeopardy i don't know if i'm going to have a roster spot we got to recruit better players maybe they're going to take my scholarship right like all of these things have such detrimental impacts to the the student athlete mental health and even the coach mental. Health. Let's be honest, like coaches are not mentally healthy right now. Right? You saw uh what's his name? Gino Gino just had a press conference where he's like it's impossible to coach in in today's society. And right? we've seen a couple I'm lucky. of these, like courtside yeah, Nick blows Saban of did.
1: coaches. Saban with Bobby Hurley the other day, yeah. like just absolutely unhinged and mm-hmm. emotionally derailed. Yeah. Can't control that Brig Pitino talking about how he wanted to die of frostbite and kill himself yeah. because he lost a game. Like, are we, are we serious?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it is to the point where, you know, I'm not going to say that sport has lost its like original intent. Cause I don't think it has. I just think that there are so many things, like you said, coming at people so fast that it's just hard to keep up. And so it feels like a grind because you're constantly slogging through like the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. When in reality, it doesn't have to be any of those things. Right And like coaches who are listening, parents who are listening, players, if you're listening, like think about the last time that like playing your sport was just fun. Or like watching your kid play was just fun. Regardless of the outcome of the game, regardless of like how well or poorly they think or you think they did, like when was it just fun to do? And it's very possible that that was, you know, last night for some of you. For some of you, it may not have been fun except for when they were a little kid or like you were a little kid. And so for something that is supposed to be a joyous experience, for something that is supposed to be something that helps you learn about yourself and all of those things. I mean, the amount of entropy that we're inviting by through conference realignment, right? Which is where this whole thing started, like conference realignment, NIL, brand deals, transfer portal, you know, all of this stuff without a plan to effectively manage the entropy and the mental health component, like to then go and say like, well, student athlete mental health is very important. Yeah, okay, it is. What are you doing about it? right? How do we help them? Because ultimately we only get a few hours a day with them and then they have to go navigate the world on their own. And most of them aren't ready to do it.
1: Yeah. I I think like our parents and certainly our grandparents, like the, the term mental health would have been foreign, like not even something that was discussed, brought up, probably even thought of. And it doesn't mean that generations ago throughout history haven't had mental health issues right mm-hmm. but here we are creating such a such an emphasis around it which again I think has been good been great you know our our conference this year I mean we just had a mental health awareness game for women's basketball we've got one for schedule for men's basketball every sport this year will have a mental health awareness game that's great our sac committee has a mental health chair. These are all really good things, but it feels like sometimes it's bullseye wrong target. Mm. Why do we all of a sudden need such an emphasis on this? And we're creating a lot of these issues on our own. Again, it's not to say that it's not ever been important. It shouldn't be a focus, but are we creating a lot of these problems for ourselves to where a lot of this mental health would be taken care of by simply taking a step back and trying not to, throw so much on, you know, on, on top of our, our kids and our players, especially at younger and younger ages, kids are not allowed to develop and grow up and be kids. Like they have to start performing earlier and earlier and earlier. And the pressures of that, and it's like, by the time they become 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're, you know, basically a working professional in college sports, they've already been going through this for 10 to 12 years. Like what mm-hmm. could they possibly have left? And then we're telling you that your whole life has been geared towards this one thing and the ball stops bouncing. And now all of a sudden you're supposed to navigate in a a society in the real world that doesn't really care about you and your thoughts and your feelings and yada, yada. Like if you get a millennial manager, quote unquote, or not, is going to depend on whether or not you enjoy going to work or not, because they Mm -hmm. give two shits about whether you showed up in a good, good space or a bad space. Like you become part of that bottom line, part of that number. And again, it's not to, not to demean any of the emphasis or any of that, but it's just like, man, would we need such if we weren't doing a lot of this to ourselves, like to Mm. our own detriment by adding all of this stuff on us? And this idea that like, I think it comes back more fundamentally that like, why, why all of a sudden do we as adults feel like we have the right to teach kids how to play? Mm. Why do we as adults feel like we are in a better position? position to show kids what it means to have fun Mm -hmm. kids invented play it it comes naturally to them they don't need an adult standing there showing them how to do it regardless of what it is everybody just had a holiday season whatever you celebrate right christmas hanukkah kwanzaa it doesn't matter gifts were exchanged billions of dollars were probably spent on kids who were five, six, seven years old. Do you know what all those five, six, and seven-year-olds played with? The wrapping paper, the box, the toilet paper roll, the paper towel roll. And they made a game out of multiple objects. Out of it. The, the most fun me and my brother ever made was just balling up a sheet of paper and mm-hmm. playing baseball. In the, the You know what I mean? Like We don't need all of that, but for some reason we feel like we need all of that. And if if an adult is not there controlling the situation and showing kids this is how you should play and this is how you should have fun and this is how you're going to develop because it's how it's viewed through my 38-year-old eyes, that 8-year-old is much more creative than I am. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. It's not even close. But what is it with this, this sense and need of like control to feel like we have to be a part of it or we have to have something to say for it? And that, yeah, our eight-year-olds won the 8U state championship. But it's not really them winning. It was me winning. Mm -hmm. Coach winning. When in reality, those eight-year-olds could have gone out to the sandlot and played softball with all their friends and had a much better time and probably been more likely to get more out of it that way at at the end of the day and probably end up becoming a a better, more well-addressed 14-year-old by not having to go through all of that. Through this grind, through this cycle, and um, it just—it just seems like we—we are—we are doing a lot of this damage to ourselves mm-hmm. because we, as the CEOs and chief environmental officers, as the adult in the room, have more say so over the environment than the kid does. So therefore, we are creating their own
0: problems a lot of times. I think we're creating them. And when they offer a solution that they know might work, we exacerbate the problem by sharing our expertise about why it won't work. Because we've been doing it for a long time. But I even think about this in terms of like conflict resolution. So the original intent of this episode was actually to to revisit the grind, right? Because we're in that dog days of, Basketball season, it's middle of January. Everybody's kind of feeling bleh, and it's snowy and gross and gray outside, right? So, like, it's just a, a an odd feeling time where everybody's kind of in this lull. And I think about what you just said in terms of, like, essentially let the kids play and let them show us what needs to happen. I'm not sure. And Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong or if you have a different opinion here. When it comes to things like conflict resolution, I'm not sure our kids are as equipped as we think they are for that. And so it would be it would be to our detriment to not guide them in how to do it because I don't think it's being taught in schools anymore. I don't I don't think it is because I don't
1: I don't think they've been able to get the reps at it. Yeah there's no chance for them to get good at it because we don't allow for it right and allowing them to do it and giving them the space to do it and kind of be kids on a playground like that scares us scares me as a parent for sure sure yeah and you want to step in and you want to control and you want to help and you want to guide and you want to do those kinds of things um and again not to sound like old guys sitting on the porch but there i mean there was a lot to be said for like go out and figure it out Come in crying, like why are you crying? Well, this happened. All right, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And we just don't allow that space. And are there, is there room for something terrible to go wrong <laughs> in that arena? Absolutely, there there can be. Like it's not to say that one one way is necessarily better than the other or more perfect than the other, but I definitely think we have removed the ability, removed a lot of the opportunity and the space for the reps for kids to resolve their own conflict. That space just doesn't exist anymore. And therefore that creates a host of other issues and, and and unintended consequences that then pile on to impact their mental health. And then we say, okay, well, we need to focus more on mental health and we need to try to help you, you know, relax or understand things or reflect on things or give you these coping mechanisms, et cetera, et cetera. When really like we're just adding band-aids on mm-hmm. these bullet holes that, we're not ever really getting to the root of the the issue in the first place.
0: You just, um, I'm gonna shout out Megan and Becca here because you just made a Taylor Swift reference oh, without Jesus. even knowing it. No, band aids don't don't cover <laughs> bullet holes or whatever that line is from that song. Megan, Pratt. Becca, any Swifties out there listening? Kyle did say that. Not sure it was on purpose, but it was not. Taylor Swift is getting through. Ugh. Uh, Meanwhile, my wife is upstairs fixing her dinner, (laughs) singing Taylor Swift. So (laughs) that's also what triggered into my mind. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it it leads to the transfer portal, right? If we can't solve the problem, we're just going to run away from it. I don't want somebody to be mad at me, so I'm not going to say something. Well, at the end of the day, like, I have a real hard time. And listen, I'm as non-confrontational as they come. I don't like, nobody likes confrontation. Right. None of us want to get into arguments and things like that, but like just the ability to 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 pick up the phone and call somebody or just walk up to them and be like, hey, I didn't really like how that went. Can we talk about it? Like if we can't even instill that part, then none of the rest of this gets solved. Because why are conferences changing alignments? Why are people leaving conferences? Because of some disagreement because of something they don't like with the money, whatever, just, all right, I'm just take my ball and go home. Somebody else will pay me. Right? Is that really what we want when we're thinking about this, quote, idea of resilience in the grind? I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time with that. And, again, like, it's really hard not to sound like the two guys on the porch in the rocking chair or the two guys I saw at Jersey Mike's the other day. They must have been sitting there for three hours they're deep in conversation two older guys you know thick boston accents just talking about the state of the world and i and it's hard not to feel like those guys um but ultimately like there is some truth to that too where like you know for us generationally being kind of the elder millennial types like confrontation isn't really our thing man But the older I get, like, and, you know, you and I talk about this all the time with making the next connection. Like at some point, somebody taught us that we had to be able to talk on the phone and we had to be able to get out here and like speak in public. And we got reps in doing those things because we just had to do it. Otherwise you weren't getting any ketchup at McDonald's. Right. I remember this story clear as day. Like I am probably one of the most outgoing people in my entire family of 20 some out of us cousins and all of that stuff. And I have, I have a set of cousins who, you know, they we're the same age. Like I'm two months old or two months older than one of them. Right. We're around the same age. And I remember like I was, we were in our twenties and like, I had no problem navigating, you know, wherever we were, we were in London, we were in Canada, like, you know, going up and asking people for directions or asking for help or whatever. And like my cousin was unable to even open her mouth. And like could not ask for salt at McDonald's. Like people had to order for her and stuff like we're in our 20s, right? So it's not a generational thing. I think it really is a matter of like, how many reps did we allow for these things to happen to where you have the fundamental baseline skills for conflict resolution, for understanding that the grind is not forever and that you don't have to go through all of this to get the outcome that you want. There is another way you can be joyous about it. You can do kind of whatever you want and make the experience what you want it to be. Cause at the end of the day, and like, you know, Kyle, I, you and I talk about this quite often, like, I just don't know how many kids are excited about playing sports anymore. Mm-hmm. Like when I walk around AAU tournaments or even go into high school games or whatever, like it's almost like a rarity. To see, like, a really hype bench that is not doing it performatively. Like, they're truly happy for their teammates' success. It, it, like And regardless, maybe it's not their success. Maybe they're getting blown out. But you know what? Those kids are still standing up. They're still waving towels. They're doing everything they can to contribute positively to the game. I just I don't see it much anymore. And it, it's, like, like, super disheartening because it's only been – Like I was, my first year as a head coach was eight years ago. And in the span of that eight years, I feel like there was this whole like bench mob mentality that existed back then. And like, you see it in the picture behind me, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's what our bench looked like. Those are like half of our starters up there. And, you know, and it's not just up here. I mean, I see it on TV. Like I see, you know, college games, high school games, you know, what you name it. And it just seems like there's so much conflict that's being, that's just there and the grind is ever present and we can't be truly happy for each other or supportive of each other or celebrate each other without it diminishing our own light. And it's just like, that couldn't be further from the truth.
1: It's funny you say that about like ordering the salt. And I apologize if I've told this story once or four times, but I remember going to Wendy's after church and my brother was, I don't know, Ryan, if you're listening to this, tell me how old you are. Maybe eight, nine, 10, somewhere around there. And it was like, wanted a refill on his drink. And mom was like, well, go ask for it. And he was like, no, like, I'm not going up there. He just never got a refill. Mom was like, well, I'm not going up there and doing it for you. Like, eventually you're going to have to go up there and do that. And, you know, now Ryan's done nationally televised broadcasts and on, you know, for division one football games and, you know, leads tours on a college campus and is in charge of recruiting. And it's just kind of amazing. Like, that that was the same kid that didn't want to go ask for a refill on, on a drink, Mm -hmm. you know, however many years ago that was. But I think it comes back to the reps. Like you said, I don't think it's a generational thing. I think if anything is generational is just the number of opportunities and the reps that we're willing to give. And again, I kind of fundamentally take that back to like having to control what the kids are doing on the playground or just being able to play. Because if you, the quote unquote coach or the adult or the teacher is sitting there telling them this is how it's supposed to be, then they aren't getting the reps and figuring it out. They aren't getting the reps and the conflict resolution with themselves. And I think eventually, what happens is we're not able to resol- you know— handle conflict conflict resolution between ourselves. We're not able to handle conflict resolution within our own minds, and that's what causes the shutdown. That's right. what causes a lot of the mental health stigma and issues that we see is that we can't even talk to our own selves in an honest fashion, much less to somebody else. And, you know, I've been on a couple of, I've been on a few calls with coaches recently about playmakers interested in being operators, which if you're interested in doing that, go visit us at playmakersleague.com uh, click the operator button and we'll be happy to get on a phone call with you. But the interesting thing, like taking this to an unlearning uh, segment perhaps for, for a minute here is a lot of it is like when we talk about our curriculum and like how we do things, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do as the coach? Like how much help do I need? How many coaches Mm -hmm. need to be in there? And we're like, the fewer, the better, right? We don't want a lot of coaches in there. We don't want a lot of people that know quote unquote, no basketball. Your knowledge of basketball is the reason why these kids can't play because you're trying to force that on them. And it's, it has been, it's an interesting conversation that I get to have quite often Or I've noticed a trend where it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? It's like, you're supposed to get out of the way. You're supposed to put these kids in a situation. Here are the rules, set them up, make sure nobody gets into a fight, you know, be there to help on, on safety and those kinds of things. Cause I know hopefully that's kind of obvious to everybody, but it is your, not, it's not your job to sit there and micromanage every single thing that these kids do from Mm -hmm. a technical tactical technique kind of thing. Like get out of their way, set the environment up for them and let them go and after 8 10 12 24 sessions of a playmaker's curriculum like they're gonna be fine and they're gonna be in a much better situation than they were as opposed to 8 10 12 or 24 you know typical quote-unquote practices right that they would typically get with their quote-unquote coach and if, if we have done anything, especially through a playmaker's lens, like, I think that has been probably one of the most impactful things we've done. But as we've seen, like, it's hard to get people to sign up for that mm-hmm. because it's just not what they think is supposed to happen. It's not what they're used to. And so they, they are, again, there we are. Like, they're having this own internal struggle with that conflict resolution of, like, letting some of that control go, getting out of the way and we all sit here and say that we want to positively impact kids lives for the next generation or whatever when in a lot of ways we could do a lot more good and do a lot more of those things if we would simply just stop being a detriment to their own
0: learning right i don't i don't know how much more i can add to that to be honest with you like i think what we've been going for almost an hour maybe 45 minutes and this was not the original intent of this episode. But I not think it needed close. to be said. No, not <laughs> even close. Not even close. This but is what happens when sad. we
1: don't get on here for uh, a week or two. And we've got too many like random thoughts. So we're making gumbo tonight. This was like a gumbo episode. And it was like, ah, just throw it in. Like, <laughs> Let's just, this sounds good. Let's just throw this in the pot and we'll see where it goes. But I, this has been fun, man. I, 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 it was not the intended episode, but I think it was a good one an important one
0: definitely definitely well we get it published and until next time my friends enjoy it and we'll be back in short order with episode 17 and who knows what's gonna happen maybe it's another gumbo episode who knows but well, we'll see and we'll see you on the next one